Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, and thank you for joining us as we share the good news of Christ's love. We share a rich tradition as a diverse and welcoming congregation. We strive to meet people where they are and join them on their faith journey as we carry out our mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world. Welcome to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We say a word of greeting this morning to all of you here in the sanctuary as well as those who are watching on television and streaming our service. We're grateful to have all of you as a part of our service of worship today. You will notice it is the third Sunday after Pentecost, but I also want to let you know that through a proclamation from the mayor of Little Rock, today is also Booker Rogers Day in the city of Little Rock. And Booker and his family are with us today, so we'll celebrate after our service of worship. We want you to come into the gathering hall, and we'll have a special celebration for 44 years of ministry as a part of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church with Booker. So we're grateful for your presence today. This is our chance in a very special way to celebrate our faith together as followers of Jesus Christ.
worship this morning, I invite you to join me responsively in our call to worship, as is printed in your bulletin. Remembering God, who is our deliverer. We gather together to worship God. Remembering God, who is our Savior. We gather together to worship God. Remembering all that God has done and continues to do. Let us worship God, our Deliverer, our Deliverer Savior, and Lord, this day and every day. Please be seated. Please receive our joys and concerns of this past week. We pray for all experiencing grief and loss this day, and our Christian sympathy is extended to Craig De La Cerda and family and the death of his father, Keith De La Cerda, to Angela Bain and family and the death of her father, Ronald Wayne Adams to Reverend Jean Eford and Wendy Eford and family in the death of their wife and mother, Gwen Eford, and to Dr. Christy Qualls Smith and family in the death of her father, Stan Qualls. We pray for all who are ill or recently hospitalized, including Dave Westinger, Dr. Mike Smith, and Charles Rogers. And we rejoice in the birth of Stella Blair, Freeland, child of Anders and Bethany Freeland, and great-grandchild of Ruth Marlin. And we rejoice in the baptism of Cal and Daisy Hobbs, children of Taylor and Bryn Hobbs, and of Mary Trent Morey, child of Sarah Kate and Robert Morey. And we give thanks to our new members, Allison and Christina Baker, Booker and Ed Sanchez Hobbs, Caitlin and Will Vaughn. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. God of love and compassion, you have poured your grace and mercy upon us, and we're thankful. We invite you into our hearts. Help us to set aside any distractions that would keep us from experiencing your presence. We pray for Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, our city the United States, and the world. Grant us hope, peace, and reassurance of your love. Reunite families, friends, and countries that have become estranged. By love and forgiveness, draw them together again. Hear our prayers for Mr. Booker T. Rogers as he retires as the senior custodian of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church after 44 years of faithful service. We're thankful for Mr. Booker's compassion, dedication, and love for this congregation and facilities. We pray your blessings upon him, his wife, Baby Doll, his mother, Miss Imogene Humes, and his entire family as he begins a new chapter in his life. 
as we make disciples and reach out to others who are hurting. Help us to live our lives so that the world may be a better place. We have this hope through Jesus Christ our Lord as we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. that in times of joy and in times of struggle we gather together as a Christian community saying it is well not because of our circumstances but because we know that God is with us and that we are with one another and one of the great things and the great messages that we have to give to the world is that one that no matter what that we can say it is well, again, not because of circumstances, but because God is with us and we are with one another. And that is a message that we teach and try to live out here at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church from the time that children are young. And we're so thankful that because you give this week, we are going to have children and families gathering together throughout this church building at Vacation Bible School, learning of the power of Christ to be with us always, and the power of us to be disciples and to be a part of what God is doing always. That is made possible because you give. And so in this time of offering, if you would like to make a contribution to ministries that teach our children and all of us the power of Christ in our lives, no matter the circumstances, you are invited to make a contribution in this time of offering. Those of you who are in person can place your gifts in the offering plates, or if you make electronic donations, there are cards um, that you can place in the offering plates as a rec. Uh, a representation of those electronic donations that you make. And if you would like to make a donation via broadcast or online, you are invited to do so by following the instructions on your screen. As the ushers have come forward and we prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offerings, let us turn to God in an attitude of prayer. 
God, there are many things in this world that have us believe that this world will conquer and overwhelm us. But God, the power of the gospel that we teach from birth to death is that you are over all and that nothing can overwhelm us, that we can be a part of your work of bringing life, of bringing light, and of bringing hope to our world. As you receive these gifts that we have to offer to you today, we give you thanks for your offering to us. And we pray that these gifts may be used to teach our children and to transform lives, communities, and the world in the name and the power of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
the Spirit of the Lord is, there is one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power, and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Man, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit as the divine presence in our lives, whereby we are kept in perpetual remembrance of the truth of Christ and find strength and help in time of need. We believe that this faith should be manifest itself in the service of love and set forth in our example of our blessed Lord to the end that the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. Amen. Amen. and remain standing as today we read from 2 Kings, the second chapter, selected verses. Let us hear these holy words. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on the way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. Then Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel, and Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Before you're seated, please take a moment to greet each other in the name of Jesus Christ.
We again say a word of greeting this morning to all of you. We also say a word of greeting to those who are watching online and on television. We say a special word of greeting this morning to those in Fordyce and Newport and Desark, as well as those in our respective hospitals across the, straight, across the state. We are always grateful for your presence as well. We just want to remind you, if you looked at the back of your order of service, you will please be aware that next Sunday, it is 4th of July weekend, we are only having two services of worship. One in here at 9 o'clock per usual. There is no 11 o'clock service of worship here because we are inviting everybody instead to go down to our contemporary worship space for an 11 o'clock service of worship. Just two services of worship next week. I will be preaching at both venues, but again, no 11 o'clock service of worship here in the sanctuary. We're thankful for your presence this morning. Let us pray. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day, and work your will in our lives. Amen. Years ago, 60 Minutes had a segment about the death of 39 very rare white rhinos. They had been slaughtered. Park rangers in South Africa were trying to figure out who would put to death these very rare white rhinos, only to discover that it wasn't done by any poachers. These 39 rare white rhinos were put to death by elephants. Now, the South African people were trying to figure out, those in positions of authority, over this land where all of these rare animals roamed, how could this be? Elephants tend not to be violent creatures. But they discovered something. A number of years prior, because the land could not sustain all of those elephants, many of them were removed, particularly the older, more mature elephants, leaving behind the younger, younger elephants. And as a result, those younger elephants had no mature figures to learn from. And they began the process of banding together in groups, these young elephants, and doing what elephants tend not to do, and that is to become a rogue group of violent predators. They started making their ways around this large park and putting to death other animals. Park rangers were in a quandary. What do we do about this? We've never seen this before. We don't know how to handle this. And then someone came up with the clever notion that maybe removing all of those mature elephants was not the best of ideas. Maybe removing the mature ones who were used to teaching the younger ones what it means to be an elephant and how one behaves Maybe removing those mature elephants was a major mistake. 39 rare white rhinos were proof of that. And so they brought back in several very mature elephants. And very quickly, these rogue groups, these packs of elephants who had wreaked so much havoc, were no longer doing any of that. In fact, in their own way, they began to learn from these mature elephants what it means to be an elephant and how one lives that way. No longer did they have that problem anymore. 
See, oftentimes the ones who are mature have so much to teach the younger ones. And if they do not have the privilege of teaching the younger ones, the younger ones are lost. And the park rangers were concerned that eventually all the elephants would once again begin the process of attacking not only other animals, but even attacking each other and losing even more as a result. We have a lot to learn from those who are mature, who have much to teach those who are younger. It's true in the life of the church as well. If we don't have the mature voices teaching us about what it means to be followers of Jesus Christ, people begin to wander away and do things on their own because they don't have that direction and they don't have that focus and they don't have the ones who know how to teach what it means to live in the world, teaching others how to do that in the name of Jesus Christ. A long time ago, Elijah, considered the greatest of all prophets, would, in a whirlwind, go to heaven. But before he leaves, God has handpicked his successor, a much younger Elisha. And one day, as they're standing by the Jordan River, because of the power Elijah has, he is able to separate the waters from the Jordan, and Elijah is smitten with that. Who can do something like that? And before Elijah heads off to heaven, he asks Elisha, is there anything I can do for you? And Elisha says, give me a double portion of what it is you have. See, in that culture, in that day and time, it was the eldest son who received a double portion of the inheritance. What Elijah is saying is, I am the sole heir. I am the one who is to follow Elijah. And Elisha takes the cloak that was given to him by Elijah, and he too is able to part the Jordan. Meaning, of course, that he has now received the power that Elijah had. It has been placed on him. And not only that power, but the responsibility that accompanies that. To continue the work that has been done. To keep it going. And one of the things that is important for us always in the life of the church is to remember that from one generation to the next, it is the responsibility of that respective generation to pass on to the next generation the work that has been started, to continue that work constantly. If you look in the Bible, Moses, the great lawgiver, never has a chance to cross over the Jordan into the promised land. That responsibility was passed on to Joshua. And Joshua carried the people over. As great as Moses was, it was time for his life to end, which meant it was time for someone else to carry the mantle, to carry the torch. And in this particular situation, it was Joshua. David is considered the greatest king in the history of Israel. But David's days, like all of our days, were numbered. And the responsibility given to him was passed on to his son Solomon, who was considered the wisest and the richest of all kings. Solomon carried that tradition on. And during Solomon's reign, Israel was at peace. And even Jesus Christ himself, as he walked the face of the earth, 
bringing in disciples and teaching about the kingdom of God, his days physically here on earth were limited. He would be resurrected and he would ascend to the Father and he would leave behind the responsibility of continuing the work that was already started to the church. So now for 2,000 years, the church has been in the process of taking the ones who are mature and teaching the younger ones so that they don't wander off, do things they wouldn't do otherwise, but they remain focused on what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and all the challenges that it can, can accompany that, just living life every day. It really is important for us to remember that we are to continue the work that was started. When I was ordained a long time ago, in our ordination service, they had a very special and I thought very poignant moment just prior to our ordination when all of the retiring clergy would come forward and they would stand next to us. And then we were ordained with the retired clergy and family members standing around us. And then those retired clergy, once we were ordained, would take the stole, the respective stole that they were wearing, take it off, and place it on the newly ordained clergy. As if to say, we are now passing on the responsibility. You're talking about people who are in ordained ministry 40 and 50 years, and some 20-something-year-old trying to figure out how to do anything in the local church has now been given this responsibility. But I loved what the bishop said to those older clergy. Listen, you're placing that on them, that is that stole, but you remember you have an obligation to continue to teach. You have all these years of experience and all of this knowledge, and they're just learning. My great fear in the church today is that we are losing the Elijahs, and the Elishas are not coming under. And there are lots of reasons for that. I get that. The church was in decline, by the way, before there was this thing called a pandemic. The church has been in decline. But I would ask any of us, as members of Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church, what do we want this church to look like in five years, 10 years, 20 years, for our children, for our grandchildren, for the generations that follow? The only way this church or any congregation will remain strong is if you have Elijahs who feel an obligation and a responsibility to pass the mantle on to the next generation. As difficult as the church has been to do the work we've been called to do, as difficult as it has been, we also recognize that the pandemic sped that process up. And so what's happened now in the church universal, not just here, but the church universal is that people have become comfortable not giving of themselves like they once did. We have made it easy for people, and rightfully so. We are online, we are on television, and we're going to always be online and always be on television. There are people who are distanced from Pulaski Heights who cannot come. It's too far away. There are people who physically cannot be here because of health reasons or age or whatever it may be. But there are lots of people who call Pulaski Heights home who don't come. See, worship is just the starting point for any of us. And what the pandemic did was teach us how to be comfortable. 
Uber Eats and DoorDash. You don't even have to leave your house now and you can have anything you want in any restaurant. And they were around before the pandemic, but their business boomed during the pandemic. And now you can go to Target or Kroger or Walmart and never leave your car. All you can do is flip a switch, the tailgate goes up, they put all your food in there and you leave. It's convenience. And what's happened is we've become so used to convenience in the world that we now make that applicable in the life of the church. So the convenient and easy thing to do is stay home and let the church come to our door. But we can't do ministry that way. It just won't work. We have to have the Elijahs who are physically present for the Elishas to carry on the work previously started. We have also realized that we're impatient people. I have been impatient my whole life. I'm always impatient about everything. So the pandemic didn't do anything but make that a thousand times worse. Can you imagine living in my house sometimes? I got to tell you not long ago, for example, I ordered some books on Amazon, and I keep track of it. You know, you can track where it is, and I keep track of that, and it was supposed to come between 9 and 11 to the church. Three books between 9 and 11. At 11.03, they weren't here. Man, I marched down there, and I said, where, have you seen the Amazon people? Have you seen UPS or whoever? And Pat Dillahunty said, no, I haven't. I said, well, dadgummit, it's 11.03. At 11.05, they came. But I was bent out of shape. And see, what happens is we become impatient people. In the church, we have to be patient. Elijah's don't suddenly teach the Elisha's everything they know. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes prayer. It takes energy. And the church has got to be the institution that says, hey, let's slow down. Let's think about who we are. Let's think about what we got to do. The only way the church will be strengthened. And the only way the church will rebound, if you will, through all of this and be who we are called to be is if we have a lot of Elijahs and we have this church filled with them who understand that they have a responsibility and an obligation to the next generation so that that generation's children and that generation's grandchildren will benefit from the work previously done. You think about how we benefit here at Pulaski Heights from those who have gone before us, the beautiful facilities that we have, the people who have taught Sunday school over the years and volunteered in the youth program and helped with children and done mission work and all the kinds of things that have been done from generation to generation. And someone saw that and said, I want to be a part of that. And it was carried on to the next generation. We have got to do that. There is nothing wrong with watching the service of worship on television or online. Please hear me. But if you are physically able to be here, I would encourage you to do that. And I, every time I say that, I get nasty emails. You're shaming us, John, for not being there. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I've called nobody by name. <laughs> All I'm saying is that we need you. The only way we can really do what we're called to do and ensure that the next generation benefits from the work that we have done is to do the work with them face to face. Worship is just a starting point. I would say to everybody here this morning, worship is not all you do. It can't be. You need to be involved in other things in the life of the church. And by the fall, we're going to blitz you with all kinds of things you can participate in. Please do that. 
Because you have a responsibility. If you're an Elisha, you have a responsibility to learn from the Elijahs. And if you're an Elijah, you have a responsibility to teach the Elishas. That's the only way the church is going to be who we are called to be and carried on from one generation to the next. And every church is dealing with these kinds of issues right now. I remember I was at a, an event one time, and I can't remember the circumstances, but this famous preacher got up and he said, you know, I used to get my feelings hurt when I went on vacation because there was a deep, dark part of me that always wanted to know that when I came back from vacation, things were in a mess, that they just couldn't do it without me for a couple of weeks, and that I would come back and things were terrible, the church is about to close, come save us. And he said, here's the thing that happens every time I go on vacation. I come back and things are in order, and the money's fine, and the people are still doing ministry. He said, it dawned on me one day the church was around 2,000 years before I ever showed up. And it'll probably be around 2,000 years after I'm gone. Maybe I'm not as indispensable as I think I am. Maybe for all of us, we realize that all of us can do the work we've been called to do, but we got to do it together. Every single one of us have to do the work. But I do wonder sometimes, in my own dark moments, I do wonder sometimes, can we say... The church has been around for 2,000 years, and it will continue to be around. Will it be the juggernaut that it once was in the world in which we lived, where people turned to the church for answers, for guidance, for direction? It falls on us to be that kind of people and to be that kind of church. Every one of us have an obligation and a responsibility to be an Elijah at some times where we teach and at other times to be an Elisha where we glean information and knowledge from those who have gone before us. That's how the church has always been. And what's important for us to remember is it doesn't matter. God uses us just the way we are. Elisha did not become Elijah. He became Elijah's successor, but he was always Elisha. I read a biography of Harry Truman a number of years ago, and it was fascinating to me. I didn't know a whole lot about Truman until I read the book. But Truman, when he was a congressman, was considered kind of a milk-toasty kind of guy, non-threatening to anybody, just kind of a good old boy from Missouri. And it was now time for FDR to begin his fourth term in office. That's why we've now limited it to two terms. FDR was now going to begin his fourth term in office during the Second World War. And FDR had a nice big ego, and he didn't want anybody to threaten him in any way. So who can we find who is the most plain, average, ordinary kind of guy to be vice president? Ah, uh, how about that Harry Truman guy? So Truman becomes vice president, and soon after Roosevelt begins his fourth term, guess what? He dies. And now you have this plain, ordinary, milquetoast guy who's suddenly president of the United States during the Second World War. What are we going to do with someone like that? And he had to make, historians say, some of the most difficult decisions in the history of the presidency of the United States. Historians still argue about whether or not it was appropriate to drop an atomic bomb, which, by the way, I'll just tell you, I don't think it's ever appropriate. But nevertheless, Truman had to make that decision, and he did. This milk-toasted guy that can't ever make a decision made a pretty extraordinary decision. He integrated the armed forces. He implemented the Marshall Plan to save Europe after the Second World War. And of all things, 
he fired General Douglas MacArthur for insubordination. He made some extraordinarily unpopular, difficult decisions, and now historians rank him as one of the top five presidents of all time. Can you imagine that? You know why? Because Harry Truman decided, I can't be FDR. I have to be Harry Truman. Wherever you are in life, I promise you this. You have a skill set that needs to be passed on to the next generation. But you also have things to learn that you can receive from the generation that went before you. If you're old, whatever that means by definition, and old is changing for me rapidly, but when you're older and you think you have nothing left to give, I promise you that's not true. If nothing else, you can pray. If you're younger and you think you don't have enough experience, I can tell you that is not true. God has gifted you in some way. And I appreciate what Elisha says. He is so enthusiastic about being Elijah's successor that he says, give me twice as much as what you got. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. This church is an extraordinary church. It always has been. It always will be. Because you take seriously your responsibility as an Elijah and as an Elisha to do what you have been called to do. Let's do it. Worship is the starting point. Remember what Jesus said. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. When you go to Walmart, you can be served. When you order DoorDash, you can be served. But in the church, you serve. We are Elijah and we are Elisha. Continuing the work that has already been started. We just carry it on. Hallelujah. Amen. At this time, we have a very special moment in our service of worship. We invite our lay leader, Sarah Argue, to come forward now. This morning, as a congregation, we are recognizing and thanking Booker Rogers for his 44 years of service to Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. My name is Sarah Argue, and I'm here this morning as a representative from our staff parish relations committee, but more personally, as a member of a family that has had Booker as a part of our church family for over four generations. My grandfather, former Pulaski Heights senior pastor, Dr. James B. Argue Sr., was the first to know and appreciate Booker, sharing lunches and conversations for 10 years before my grandfather retired. Booker was there when he died. He helped ready the church my grandfather had served with such love to say goodbye. Booker was also there when my sister and I, Emily, decided that mom had left us at the church after a choir practice on a Wednesday. We decided that we needed to go searching for a phone in the neighborhood. I still maintain the church office was locked. We did find a phone and some ferrets, as I recall, while everyone in the church had been in, was searching the neighborhood looking for us. Booker was among those who found us calmly riding home with my granddad. 
Booker was there for my parents' wedding, my baptism, my sister's baptism, my grandmother's funeral, my sister's wedding, my wedding, my niece and nephew's baptisms. He was there for my wedding. Booker was also there for my dad's funeral. He shared with us what Dr. Argue and Junior meant to him. I'm pretty sure Booker was the only person who called dad Junior. <laughs> the point of my stories is not about our family. The point is that Booker has been there for all of our families for over four decades. He has been a part of every celebration, memorial, and ministry that has come and gone through these doors. He has prepared this space so that we could do and be the church we are called to be. There really just aren't enough thanks to give for our friend that has given so much. Please stand as you are able to honor Booker. I invite you to remain standing. Our closing hymn is listed in our order of service. It is number 140, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Let us sing together.
We're grateful for those of you here in the sanctuary today as well as those who are streaming and watching on television. We want to remind our television audience that next Sunday we will have our service of worship aired at 10 a.m. instead of 10.30 for programming that carries on into the afternoon. So please be aware of that. We're thankful that you choose to be here today. We still have much to celebrate with Booker and his family. We're going to go out into the gathering hall. Please join us out there. We want you to take time to say a word of greeting and appreciation to Booker for all of his years of ministry. Thank you again for worshiping with us today at Pulaski Heights United Methodist Church. We invite you to visit our website to let us know you were a part of our viewing community today or to learn more about how you can get involved in our ongoing mission to love God, love neighbor, and change the world.